Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Tales. This is issue number 22. And today we're going to talk about Ant-Man. And this is a little bit different than some of the other characters I've talked about. Because when I'm talking about Ant-Man, I'm really going to focus on two gentlemen who who played the character. And really one predominantly. Uh, when I talked about other characters, they are their characters. Thor is Thor. The Hulk is the Hulk. Um, but Ant-Man is kind of unique. Four different people have played uh, Ant-Man in the, in the Marvel comics. Two of which you probably heard about if, if you read comics at all. The other two, probably not very much. So let me go who through those are. Hank Pym originated the character. Scott Lang took over for Hank Pym some period of time after that. Eric O'Grady also wore the uniform uh, with great mm, disgust. I think that's the best way I can put it. And Chris McCarthy. And you probably never heard of Chris McCarthy. You may never heard of Eric O'Grady. You probably heard of Scott Lang. And the movie opens tonight. So you may see Scott Lang tonight. And Hank Pym will be in the movie as well. So let's get back into where did this all start. So the, the first appearance of Ant-Man. First time ever written on a page was in Tales to Astonish number 27 in January of 1962. And I want to stress, January 1962 is the cover date. The cover dates at that period of time were not necessarily representative of the time they were released. So January 1962 was probably conceived of in maybe October, September, October of 1961. So not too far after the Fantastic Four debuted. So about three or four month lag time between the time something was written and the time it was actually printed and released. So the dates don't always match up, but that's the cover date. Uh, and Ant-Man was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, again, Stan Lee's brother, Jack Kirby, and Dick Ayers. And I put the link in the show notes. Now his first appearance was a seven page spread. And back then, they didn't get a whole book necessarily. They were used in compendiums or compilation books that were about 64 pages, 64 plus. And they get a 7-page, 12-page, 10-page feature. In this case, it was a 7-page feature titled The Man in the Ant Hill. Now, the interesting thing about this character was when he was created by Stan Lee, who thought of him, uh, the character was not envisioned as a superhero until after the sales results were reported, which means he really just thought of him as a one-shot character, and we'll move on to the next one next month. So it took eight issues before Ant-Man returned. He didn't return again uh, till issue number 35, which is interesting because you'd think, well, you got good sales, let's make it happen. But there's always a delay. There's other features in the mix. So it took eight issues, which is about eight months, before he came back. Uh, so at that point, Stanley said, hey, this guy, make him a superhero, kind of fun. Let's, let's try that. So they did. So I told you who's worn the uniform. Jumping off point. And that's the that's the struggle. I think the Tales to Astonish number twenty seven is probably the best jumping off point. The problem with Ant Man is, and Stanley correctly identifies this, he's a small guy who looks like everybody else when he was drawn in most circumstances. There wasn't a lot of perspective to put him in a in the page, so he looks like a small guy sitting next to really tall guys, 
where he just looks like a guy standing on a table. You don't really get the perspective that he's a tiny superhero, per se, fighting crime. He's just another guy who looks like every other guy. And in the Marvel Universe at this time, a lot of the characters looked the same. They would have slight alterations in their costumes. They would have slight changes. But you took their masks off, they looked a lot alike. I mean, it's it's uncanny how Jack Kirby makes almost everybody look the same. You just change the color into the hair and suddenly you got what you thought you had. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting. So it, it was a struggle. So I'll use that as a jumping off point. Not because there's anything particularly wonderful about that story. Not there's anything wrong with that story. It was enough to gain your interest to say, I'd like to see more. And we did see more. Now the problem for Hank Pym is, in the comics, he struggled to keep an identity. Because you think about this. This is before the Avengers were created. So it was almost a year before, over a year before the Avengers came out. So he was a big fish in a small pond, meaning he actually had powers versus the general population who did not. You you team up the likes of Thor, the Hulk, and Iron Man, and suddenly you seem a little redundant and weak. I mean, there's nothing... He's not stronger than anybody else on that team. He's not smarter. you got Tony Stark on the team and Bruce Banner if, when he's not the Hulk. You don't, you don't have anything spectacular about you that makes you wonderful and better than what you've got there. So there was a little bit of a, an ego crunch. So that led Hank Pym to toiling... You know, messing with his powers and see what he could do. So he changed his powers to shrinking to growing, where he became Goliath. Actually, Giant Man and then Goliath. But Goliath was 12 feet tall and Giant Man was 25 feet tall. And what he found was his strength increased proportionally. Unfortunately, so did his weight. And above 25 feet, he really couldn't maintain his own weight with the strength he had. So he was effectively limited to that. And also, uh, he could only maintain that height for a brief period of time. So at 12 feet, he w- he was able to maintain a little bit longer. At 25 feet, it was like 10, 10, 15 minutes, and then he would have to shrink back down. He just couldn't do it. Um, so that made it strange, but it was he was a reluctant hero. And I don't mean an anti-hero. I mean, he was a reluctant hero. He really didn't want to be a hero, but it, by this time, he had hooked up with Janet Van Dyne and made her into the Wasp. So he made her the Wasp. She liked the adventurer lifestyle. He hung on because he was jealous. He was jealous of the other heroes, and he kept trying to improve himself to make himself more valuable. But his heart wasn't in it. So they would frequently take leaves of absence from the Avengers, do their own thing, and come back You know, two or three issue or two, three episodes later or issues, or sometimes it could be a year before you saw them again. And just because I I think internally, I don't think they know what to do with them. They weren't, they weren't powerhouses. They weren't unique per se. So they really just kind of let them flounder and they bring them back every once in a while and say, Oh, we got a new, new name or a new slightly different power. Let's, let's try it out. Um, They were founding Avengers. So they still had a place, but they didn't have a role, at least not together. So that goes on for a while. Uh, Ant-Man costume kind of gets put in the shadows because about 50 issues into the Avengers, uh, Hank Pym has a mental breakdown and comes up with the um, new costume of the Yellow Jacket, which he's again shrunk, but he's got the powers of a Yellow Jacket 
Wasp, and, and he's got the Wasp as his partner, and he's got similar powers to her, a bio sting, things like that. So he, they're they're connected that way. He marries Janet Van Dyne to become husband and wife, and then he realizes what he's done when his psychotic break comes back. But by this time, he's no longer um, doing the Ant-Man thing, per se. And Scott Lang, a convicted burglar, breaks into his apartment, and he gets caught stealing the Ant-Man costume. Hank Pym likes him. Uh, he says, hey, somebody should do this. Maybe you can do some good. And he gives him the costume. So from that point on, Scott Lang becomes Ant-Man. And, and really, Hank Pym really doesn't use that that nomenclature much anymore. I mean, there, there's a sporadic period where he kind of does, but not really for any maybe more than an issue or two or something. So it's a little strange how this character has evolved. But the movie you're going to see tonight, or whenever you see it, uh, focuses on Scott Lang breaking in and stealing the costume from Hank Pym. That's where we pick up the story. So we don't really get a lot of Hank Pym, per se. I keep saying per se, but it's, it's Hank Pym's in it. Janet Van Dyne's in it. But it's really about Scott Lang and his um, maturity and, and growth as a character. So we're going to see that going forward. So it's not exactly like the movies. Uh, the comics are not like the movies. It's a little bit different, but that that happens. We want an entertaining story, so hopefully that's what we will get. Um, the top villain for Ant-Man, and the Hank Pym Ant-Man specifically, was Egghead. And he first appeared in Tales to Astonish, number 38, in December 1962, created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. He was the appropriate foil for Hank Pym. It meant nothing for Scott Lang. Hank Pym was a scientist... Egghead was a genius scientist. They clashed over their shared interests in science and uh, one wanting world domination and one wanting um, to stop him. Uh, Egghead actually created a version of the Masters of Evil after Baron Zemo was killed. It, It fought the Avengers and it was there, but it really was weak. It was a weak lineup. It was a weak grouping. Um, Egghead, I, I never found him to be all that compelling as a villain. He was just an egotistical maniac who who was smart. That, that's really all it was. Um, he did trick Hank Pym into uh, robbing a, an adamantium shipment that the Avengers had to take down uh, because he tricked Hank Pym into installing a robotic arm on his uh, Egghead's niece, Trish Starr, which Hank felt obligated to do and did, and it took control of her, and basically he was forced to rob it as a yellow jacket. Sent him to prison, he had a trial, he eventually got out, but it was, he was disgraced. Um, it, it, it's, it's not a character most people are familiar with, and it's, it starts to beg the question, what was Marvel thinking when they brought this movie together? And I think you're going to be surprised by the movie, you're going to like the movie, I believe, now I've not seen it, Everything I've read from people who have so far, it seems like it's probably a better movie than you think it will be. Uh, if you can suspend the disbelief that this is a guy shrunk down to the size of an ant and playing this character. Now, what I would question is why does Scott Lang, who's an accomplished burglar, need to shrink down? And if he does shrink down, do you have to actually be an accomplished burglar to do the things he did? That's the whole reason... Uh, he was brought in the movie, brought in to be Ant-Man, is because Hank Pym says, I've got a job that only you can do. Yeah, 
but you don't need a burglar when you're the size of an ant. You can sneak in anywhere. So it's really kind of convoluted in that respect. Respect, but just forego all that and, and understand that this is a guy who is dwarfed in power by everybody, but still has a heart for doing good. Okay, his power set is simply you can change size from normal human size down to ant size and retain the proportional strength. We've heard that proportional strength before. That's Spider-Man. Spider-Man got the proportional strength of a spider in a human size. Ant-Man shrinks down, still has the, the strength of his man being a man, but he's down to a half an inch or less in height. Therefore, he can lift up human beings because he's still got that strength. The leverage, we don't talk about physics. Would he be able to do that? I don't know. DC has a similar character called the Atom. Two different ways of doing it, but it, it's a similar type of deal. Uh, they get the mass. Ant-Man gets his mass from an alternate dimension. That's not really explained a lot in too many places, but he, when he goes down to the small size, his mass goes to his alternate dimension. When he comes back up, it comes back. Um, part of that's when he goes to be the larger size giant man and Goliath, that's the same thing. He pulls mass from somewhere else, but he can't maintain it for too long. He can maintain the small size much longer. Um, I don't know that there's ever a limit to what he can do as a small size for how long. It's just how long can you handle it. And it's very disconcerting for a lot of people when they first try it. There's an instance where there was a, a female stole the yellow jacket costume from Avengers Mansion. She put the shrinking down and the wasp caught her because she couldn't deal with everything being so large. It's traumatic for a psychological perspective and not for everyone. So it's a little bit weird. But it's still kind of cool because who hasn't – you've heard the phrase, I'd like to be a fly on that wall. Well, you could be the ant on the wall and you could actually spy on somebody. From a spy perspective, it's a, it's a cool, cool power. From a superhero perspective, maybe not so much. Uh, the other thing that the Ant-Man can do is control ants, specifically flying ants, things like that. Uh, he has many times flying ants where he high ho silver. He calls it silver, uh, like the horse from the Lone Ranger. It, it's it's okay. It's a little weird, but that's his. He can communicate with the ants, and in that respect, he's got spies everywhere who can relay information to him, and hopefully make it more more ability to track down somebody uh, anywhere. There's ants. He's got a, an ant, and, and to a lesser extent, other. Uh, types of um, creatures, bug creatures that he's able to communicate with. He does have a little bit of an electrical jolt with the antenna off of his um, helmet. It's not a, a super offensive weapon. It's mostly defensive. His offensive weapons are really the ants that he can control and send to their death, basically, to attack uh, the villain. It's, it's a little weird that they're his friends who he sends randomly to attack these these criminals getting their eyes getting their ears just just to uh, bite them and abuse them but i gotta believe some of those ants die in the process so it's a little strange but that's what it is um when and hank pym i've talked about this hank pym is the ant man of the comics scott lang to a like a lesser secondary extent um the other two unless you're a diehard comic fan you don't even know who those guys are and you don't know their adventures. You see Ant-Man, you think it's either Hank Pym or Scott Lang. And if you were um, looking at this later on in life, you would most likely think Scott Lang because most of the 
last 50 years, it's been Scott Lang uh, in that role. Um, Hank Pym has been a founding member of the Avengers, part of the Defenders, part of the West Coast Avengers, um, on his own, uh, Avengers Academy. He's done all these things. At one point in the 80s, he was part of the West Coast Avengers, and he went by Dr. Pym, where he would shrink down all these gadgets. He looked an awful lot like the Tom Baker version of Doctor Who with the scarf and the hat. Um, just give him blonde hair versus dark hair. That was really the only difference, but he looked a lot like Tom Baker in that, that role. That didn't last long. He had a jumpsuit with different stuffs and pockets in the mid mid to late 80s. That didn't last real long either. He went back to his giant man costume, sort of. Um, but he's more he's more of a scientist who happens to be able to change size versus a size changing scientist. It's 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 the secondary part of his role, and it's really the science officer of the Avengers. That's what his he's called upon to do. Um, it's it's interesting. Scott Lang's got some technical abilities. He's nowhere level same level as a, a biochemist as um, Hank Pym, but he's got some technical abilities, even filling in for Reed Richards for a brief time with the Fantastic Four. He eventually became an Avenger. Uh, he's a convicted felon, so he's got that against him. He's got a daughter. It's it's okay. I like the character for what it could be, not what it is. And I think that's the important thing. The first time I ever saw Hank Pym was in Avengers issue 217 in March of 1982, when at this point he was already long past his Ant-Man days and he was the disgraced ex-husband of Janet Van Dyne and, and actually been arrested by the Avengers in that issue. And that's the that was my first exposure to Hank Pym, and it made me go back and say, okay, how did he get to here? How did he get to be the disgraced ex-husband? What was his role and I was able to cobble together some past comics to get the, the, the Yellow Jacket era of things and eventually back to the Ant-Man, Giant-Man, Goliath uh, time frames. But he was interesting in the fact that you always want to know what the backstory is. What happened? How did he get here? Once you learn that, you're going, okay, it's okay. Like I said, as a spy, he'd have been awesome. But as an adventurer, as a hero, not so much. I am looking forward to this movie. If for no other reason, it's another Marvel movie that I can hopefully redeem Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. We'll see. Uh, in the comics, Hank Pym created Ultron. So it's disappointing for me that in the movie, it was Tony Stark and Bruce Banner to a lesser extent. It should have been Hank Pym. That would have been a great thing to do. Launch the Ant-Man version prior to Avengers 2, and I think we would have had a better a better origin story, at least more true to the, the history. But again, that came down to him trying to make himself more important and better than he was and failing because he created Ultron. Um, he, he just never seemed to get it right. Uh, he did develop... You know, the, the key thing here is I like him because he came up with the pin particles. And the pin particles are used to change, shot, change size for him, for Janet Van Dyne, and a number of other characters over the course of the Marvel Universe. Um, Hawkeye at one point um, became uh, a size-changing giant man. Uh, went by Goliath as well. But it was it's really Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne the Wasp. And they've, they've ingested it so often that they no longer need the particles in containers. You look at the front of the Ant-Man costume, it's got two tubes. One's to make them big, one's to make them small. That's what it is. Uh, and that, that no longer is necessary. They can change size at will without needing to ingest the, the particles. But it was interesting. The named after him, 
and I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, take it for what it is. He's another character. He's another expansion of the Marvel Universe, and that's not a bad thing. But he does leave a little bit to be desired in the superhero vernacular. Uh, he's not going to match up power-wise. He's not going to match up um, villain-wise with any of the other characters. And that's why he's never really made it as a solo character uh, in any of his incarnations. Uh, just Hank Pym is not interesting enough in and of himself to to carry a movie by himself. There needs to be other things there. We'll see how this Ant-Man movie does. And if it does as well as I hope, then maybe I'm wrong about that. And that would be great. But uh, from a comic book perspective, he's never been sold enough to make it worthwhile to keep him as a, he's never had his own comic, his own book. Um, all the other Avengers, oh, sorry, founding Avengers, the, the big three, Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk have all had their own books uh, over periods of time. So he just never had enough of a following to make that worthwhile. And changing costumes constantly, constantly um, made it hard for anybody to track with him. It's like when your favorite show gets bumped around the schedule and you can't seem to find where it's going to be broadcast. That's what this is. It's a little hard, but it is what it is. So take that for what it is. I hope you enjoyed this. Ant-Man's an interesting character. Not my first choice necessarily for a movie, but hopefully, as I said, it opens tonight. Take a watch the movie. I will take watch of that movie as well. And hopefully when I come back from uh, reviewing it, I'll have positive things to say. We'll, we shall see. Thank you for joining me. This has been Comic Book Tales, uh, issue number 22. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>